Hey listener, uh, welcome to the episode. We did uh, like a an online simultaneous recording thing uh, this week, which was worked better than our other weeks uh, in terms of comfort for us recording, but you'll notice that uh, I don't know why I was the one hosting and it was recording locally on my computer, but it's my audio that's all fucked up. So you'll hear a lot of this thing where it sort of clips up and then suddenly drops in pitch in weird ways. You'll You'll hear that. Uh, and also any time that I'm speaking while Darcy is speaking, my rules my voice becomes completely indistinct. So apologies for the audio issues. Uh, every week, getting a little bit closer to a workable solution. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. All right. All right. Yes, we both seem to be recording. Good. <coughs> <coughs> hey, Blake. Like you or me? That was you. What? Excellent. Well, we both coughed at the same time. I was worried. I was yeah, getting, we did. I was getting it feedback. <laughs> uh, no, we just coughed. We are 20 seconds there. in and I have already ruined the recording. Carry on, <laughs> Kieran. <laughs> uh, hello, Bleakers. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Bit of a week off. Uh, we didn't consult on the week off. Uh, I just kind of quietly was like i'll get in touch with darcy but i think i want to wake off and then didn't get in touch so sorry about that one darcy that's all right uh, i was um i was i was doing essays i was being a frenzied essayist yeah on nice. essays on criminal um i almost said criminal responsibility ethical responsibility in criminal law in commercial law in um, property law it's been a laugh a minute i've been having a great time it sounds super legal... fascinating. Well, uh, do you know what? There has been an angle that's been very interesting, which is the legal fraternity's kind of interpretation of what ethics means, which they yeah. they admit themselves is not the conventional understanding of like human morality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh... <laughs> it's All right. uh, for, for anyone who's interested, it's a deontological method of morals in which action is more important than consequence. Okay, good. What's the? Because uh, I know a little bit about ontology, uh, a tiny bit. What's the? What's the? What is deontological breakdown? Uh, so, like, you can think about deontological. Um, it is actually. Do you know what? I haven't looked at the um, etymological uh, foundations of the word deontological. But what I can tell you is that it's. Um, essentially a view of ethics in which you're looking at um, actions being right or wrong according to rules. Yes, okay. It's not a system of ethics which is concerned with the outcomes of the actions, just whether the actions conform to the rules that dictate rightness and wrongness. So you can think of it as being essentially the bureaucrat's ethics. Yeah, Um, It was very popular. I think Immanuel Kant was really into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- I guess that makes sense for a legal system because... Uh, oh, it makes sense. Then, yeah, it does. Because uh, the, the important thing is that they're driving at is consistency. So you want to be able to know if your circumstances meet somebody else's, that you will have the same outcome as them. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But of course, for the individual deontological uh, system of ethics, maybe not the best because you've got to be able to break the law when it's just, Darcy. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> this is a the the law is silent on um, the moral rightness or wrongness of um, violating laws. 
<laughs> Focus yeah, purely yeah. on consequences. Uh, I think, I mean, it, it's it's cute the way the judiciary insists that the general public's really into the consistency factor. I don't think many of the people I've seen entering and leaving the courtroom have been worried about the same things yeah. the judges seem to think they're worried about <laughs> yeah yeah most There's mostly it's a just a terror of, a... of the future mm. but yeah <laughs> we can this we can go you. into deontology another time <laughs> this will interest you darcy it has nothing to do with ontology deont is its own prefix in uh is that right regarding so being needed or necessary I mean, that makes perfect sense, but um, it's also a real like trap waiting for a layperson like me, who's not a proper philosopher, to stumble into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Far this out. is why you got to look up the etymology, because uh, the ontology of terminology, as dictated by etymology, is important. It's very important. Otherwise, you'll be sitting in the corner with me and Donald Trump Jr., uh. <laughs> making public statements based on completely wrong understandings of what word mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> or where word from. So where were we? Uh, uh, welcome to the episode, listener. Uh, is I think he the wears even worse point. trousers than I do. By the way, it's atrocious. The color palette uh, of the Don Junior trouser collections is something that would frighten Picasso. He's a Curious animal, uh, old DTJ. He contains uh, multitudes. I'll say that for him. I don't uh, think I don't <laughs> think Eric or Donald Senior do, but Don Junior seems to contain serious multitudes. He'd be like a he'd be a wonderful John Kennedy tool character. I think Don Junior. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. He's definitely perhaps, and this is not to uh, suggest any sympathy for him, but he does seem to be the most. Uh, tragic of the figures in the sense that you can imagine yeah. life for him under a loving father in a different kind of thing. <laughs> I can't really imagine yeah. that for Eric. No, I, I think Don could have been a middle of the road kind of amiable fail son if he'd uh, been yeah. given the right circumstances. Yeah, just any um, other He dad. definitely seems to have the highest like human spectrum of the Trump family as well. Yeah. Yeah, you Not might that that's right. like saying he has a no, particularly that's... broad human spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> no. But the rest of no. them seem to just operate at the level they've chosen, whereas Don's levels seem to happen to him. He doesn't seem to have much control over them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Agreed. Uh, I'll put anyway, the should we rock on here. with the program? Is, yeah, uh, yeah. This is, this is the time to put in the music. Alright. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs are the dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone their own despise, remember when the world was wise, we know, Uh, all right, uh, so we're going to touch on a couple of things really briefly before we get into our main kind of shit, right? Uh, yes, yes, we've got a couple touch. of 
Soft touch number one, Daniel. Daniel Our Andrews Daniel. has, um, <clears throat> yes, Daniel Andrews has decided that there's too much democracy in Victoria and uh, yeah. he's got something to say about it. So from now on, um, I think it was um, Adam uh, Somurek, um, who I don't know who uh, is the MP for, but uh, MP Adam mm. Somurek announced that yeah. uh, the Local Government Act 2020 has been uh, put through. Yep. And yeah, basically what it means practically is we've got, <laughs> we've got 10 yeah. councils. You've got yep. Bayside, Dandenong, Cardinia, Darabin, Kingston, Manningham, Maroondah and Whitehorse are now single mm. ward. And yeah. uh, Swan Hill and Mansfield councils are no longer going to be subdivided. So they're just going to be one. Like there's no, no wards for the country because fuck you country. <laughs> they don't need democracy in the country. So for the uh, listener, what does this change mean practically? What it means practically is that if you are in one of the affected councils, instead of having three councillors for your ward, you now just have one. Uh, or mm-hmm. if you are one of the two rural councils, you will just be a one ward council. So you will still have three councillors, but they will be representing the entire borough, not just your ward. Uh, yep. What it means practically is that councillors now will not be able to effectively work as councillors. They won't be able to handle the workload. If you've just got yeah. one councillor per ward, um, you will not have any minority party representation in the councils. You'll just yep. have a choice of Labour, Liberal, or maybe Green if you're in the inner city, or National if yeah. you're in the bush. Yeah. Um, you will have much more corruption because there'll be less collegiate accountability. Um, Mm -hmm. Having independent councillors was a huge role in making Labour and Liberal councillors less corrupt. That collegiate accountability was really powerful. Um, I I suppose the history of local government in Victoria is not a very popular uh, topic at the the local pub. (laughs) So just quickly, we did used to have single council awards in Victoria, and it was disastrous. It was uh, absolutely disastrous. It was undemocratic, and it was incredibly corrupt. Introducing multi-council awards has given voices to a broad sector of the community rather than uh, the members of the um, local old collegiates football team. And it has increased the accountability of councillors. And it's meant that if there's a lot of issues going on in a local area, instead of one councillor, this is assuming goodwill, instead of one councillor trying to keep on top of, you know, a dozen different concerns and campaigns, uh, while they work, remember, councillors are not full-time politicians. They're expected to be full-time workers as well. Uh, yeah. Now you can have um, a councillor per four issues, for example. So what, what's yeah. effectively, um, we're going the wrong direction. We're going for a more powerful state government and weaker local authorities, when, of course, we should be going for no state government and very effective local authorities. Yeah. Uh, all power to the Soviets, if I may say. Yeah. <laughs> It does seem like just manifestly and 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 fairly obviously uh, to be a shit uh, idea that's only gotten through 
based on the general ambivalence of the public uh, towards, you know, local yeah. government. Well, Andrews hates the degree to which local councillors have a tendency to uh, thwart developments. Yeah. Um, although they do often, they usually lose um, when it comes to, you know, yeah. the um, civil administrative claims tribunal. But he doesn't the, like the, the fact is they represent for their fucking local area. Is is what it boils right. down to the effective representation for small areas uh, stymies. Uh, his or his colleague's ability to steamroll that shit. Yes, you, you are correct. It essentially, it, it presents a bulwark against his empire building, I think. Uh, I've got it. There's a quote from the uh, Michael O'Brien, of course, leader of the opposition. Michael O'Brien has responded to this attack on local democracy by saying, the government, government, uh, which I think <laughs> makes his point pretty well. Yeah, yeah, very articulate and 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 uh, well well put across there. Michael O'Brien is a is a man of vision and integrity who uh, will hold the government to account, maybe accidentally one day, and panic when he realizes that this means journalists. Yeah. The the Victorian Liberal Party is the most, I think, the perhaps the most pathetic uh, political party in the country. Just in terms of well, its remember sheer it's fighting ineffic- for its life, isn't it? Because mm. they've got um, they've got this Mormon problem. Do they have a Mormon problem? Mustn't ever forget about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so during um, the last federal election, you remember yeah. that? Um, no, so the last state election, uh, the uh-huh. Liberal Party under Young, um, what's his chops? Uh, that corrupt. Um, Development minister, uh, yeah. old old lobster Matthews. He um, that's right. Uh, yeah. Presided over a, a huge influx of Mormon extremists into the Victorian Liberal Party, as did yeah. Michael Kroger, <laughs> the then party president, and the um, traditional um, Tory scum are fighting for their lives against this new influx of zealous religious Tory scum. Amazing. So it's the Church of England versus the um, Mormon death cult, and it's. Uh, yeah. So I, I think they haven't got much time for being the opposition right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. There's currently uh, yeah. uh, blood pouring. Yeah, yeah. Did you see just briefly before we we move on because we should clip on? But did you see Tim Smith talking about the bats? My erstwhile, no. erstwhile state member. We have uh, a, a flying fox colony in uh, like Yarra Bend near us, which is amazing. It's great to be able to go and and see this like really vibrant bat uh, colony just just at the park down the road. But of course, because the people who live here are fucking skexies, uh, selfish and stupid to the fucking core, you had constituents talking about how. Uh, it was dangerous to have bats, despite the fact that they're a completely different fucking species to the coronavirus bats, and there's no reason. Uh, that fruit bats be... are vegans. <laughs> they don't yeah, eat. Yeah, yeah. They don't like. It's a completely they don't different fuck with fucking... other animals. They don't... <laughs> no, there's absolutely like there's nothing. There's no logical basis for being paranoid about these animals. Uh, uh, 
And Tim Smith was like, oh, we're going to look into it. You know, uh, if we have to move them on, then we have to move them on. The bats are not my constituents, uh, which, you know. So that's fine. Um, it's got some slightly uh, disturbing implications for freedom of movement within Melbourne, though, if you have to be a, what is it? A constituent. Cons- uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just Q. We're gonna have, it's just Q. Okay. We're going to have little Q patrols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even know because the 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 majority of your neighbourhood, um, there are yeah. some very nice gardens in Kew, but yeah. none of them are productive gardens. They're all purely ornamental, so it's not like the bats are going to be um, hoeing into anybody's figs or mangoes or anything. They don't. They don't cause any issue. They uh, hang out in Yarra Bend during the day, and then they fuck off to wherever they root. Uh, f- you know, fuck around at night. They fly overhead every night, which is very nice. They're not bothering anybody. Frankly, it's fucking incredible that such uh, that that something like that exists this close to the city, right? Like, we've destroyed so much fucking habitat and building this godforsaken place that it's fucking incredible to me that there's a really healthy colony of fruit bats uh, just so close, and that people are paranoid about it. Uh, I was talking to Mads about it, and I re- I think it's just too much life. I think it's an abundance of life. Uh, uncontrolled and uncurated, so the people here hate it. Look, the unavoidable fact uh, is that Australia is a nation of cowards, Kieran. Like, it's a nation yeah. overwhelmingly yeah. populated by hysterical cowards. There's yeah. really no other explanation for our history or our current state of affairs. <laughs> I think you might be right. Yeah. Australians uh, so we got to... are the human equivalent of horses that, like, just, you know, have a docile time fucking about in their paddock and then just see, like, a fence post that's been there for 14 years has yeah. shifted two millimetres and just bolt into a fucking tree yeah. and have to be put they, down. Yeah. That's us. They break their leg, they kick the stable boy in the head and ruin the rest of his life and, and yeah. Yeah. And... <laughs> Like, well, I'm just trying to protect Nothing myself. Nothing was ever wrong. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck horse Aussies. Uh, let's briefly. The other thing we got to briefly touch on because we spent fucking ages on that. Uh, and I really will uh, just drop this one and move on because I think uh, it, it'll take some deeper dissecting later on. But of course, the Democratic presidential primaries, in which I've been investing in retrospect uh... too much of my hope uh, has effectively ended with Joe Biden as the the presidential nominee. Bernie Bernie suspended his campaign. So he hasn't officially dropped out. He's still on the ballot, but uh, he's as good as dropped out. He was just put into a fucking impossible position with the outbreak. Uh, and he suspended his fundraising and redirected all of his fundraising towards coronavirus relief and then refused to advocate for people to go out and vote because it wasn't fucking safe. Well, it was a health and, risk, yeah. Yeah, and the DNC didn't have Despite any... Despite the Democratic life. National Congress demanding that people go out and vote. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the DNC and Biden have absolutely no regard for the safety of their constituents, so they had a natural advantage. And uh, yeah, it just became untenable, and he dropped out. <laughs> so it's fucked. We've got on one... the numbers. It's mm. it's frustrating because 
he was written off, you know, as we wrote Biden off too early, obviously. Even though I don't yeah. take back a single joke that I made about him. They were all <laughs> delightful. And I, yeah. I, I stick to them. Um, <laughs> but Bernie Sanders was written off once the Biden resurgence began way too yeah. quickly. Yeah. On the numbers, 100%. there was a lot of fight back space available um, mm-hmm. that even like Bernie people were not seeing and were insisting didn't exist and were freaking yeah. out yeah. about. Um, yeah. And of course, what happened, I think there's a... A pro- one of the problems with the outrage of being like a Sanders supporter or that comes with being a Sanders supporter is when things don't go well, there is a, a segment of the population that begin to like vociferously scream about traitors and conspiracies. And it's, yeah. I think, very unattractive to the rest of the Democratic Party. <laughs> I mean, and sure. Because yeah. the news media in America is so fucked, I think mm. a lot of what gets transmitted about Bernie Sanders' movement is that there's a fringe of extremely like um, outspoken, conspiracy-minded people that support him yeah. and who have a tendency to lash out as in what what seems on the surface like a very thin-skinned fashion when things aren't going well for them um yeah i don't think it's thin-skinned to become hysterical when your life is in danger and you want it to be rescued but yeah I and you know what since... like, i agree with you i think about uh the the conduct and the the strategic thinking there but i don't think that there's like uh that much i i like it seems sort of semi-reasonable to me to to draw attention to a lot of the shit that was going on because like the Buttigieg campaign's uh, connections to the fucking Iowa caucusing app absolutely fucking corrupt the shit that happened with the missing USB sticks in Texas absolutely corrupt the length of time that it takes for for uh, the California primary to get counted uh, compared to other states corrupt like. Uh, and the way that I'm the not media suggesting that this yeah. is a corruption-free yeah. process, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My only point I'm, is that I'm, like, I'm just yes, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There my, is my, my sorry, point there is, is strengthening that idea that it's like it's 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 reasonable to me that that people got this upset because it's such a fucking gigantic fight and it's uh, participating in a version like a, a, a simulation of democracy and treating it like real democracy and uh putting all of your hopes into something which is designed not to let you in which is like what a fucking discouraging position to be in thank god our democracy is unimpeachably <laughs> robust uh Look, it, it, our democracy has got a, a, a slight advantage over the American system, which is not compulsory voting. I no longer have actually very much faith in the compulsory voting system. I did when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but I think I think I it was... solves certain problems. I think it would solve some of the problems that America is having, specifically with like voter suppression and stuff. It removes that tactic. Uh, from the playbook. It does. Cool, it's, but... It does. That's true. On a on a larger scale like that it can be helpful mm. but it doesn't but, solve um, having preferential voting preferential it voting doesn't solve everything huge. no uh 
is an amazing system that I'm actually very chuffed with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if if the Americans had it, they would be looking at potentially a very different, um, if not like party landscape, because their party landscape is not as different to ours as it used to be. But the presidential yeah. landscape could be very different. I don't yeah. think you'd have Donald Trump un- with a preferential voting system in place. Probably not. Yeah, it would it would shake things up over there. I mean, like, yeah, if 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 we were hypothetically putting together an ideal democracy, it's like pretty much the only thing I think I would take from a, the American system is the primary system. Uh, yeah. Some, oh, like, look, it'd be much better if pat- parties had less control over their candidates. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, 100% the preferential uh, voting system is so much preferable. Haha, fittingly. Uh, being able to it go is. and actually and vote my budget is huge to me. Yeah, instead of being drawn into this lesser of two evilsism. Like a, yeah. a lot of the people I listen to in America who I agree with, but I'm also most frustrated by, are mm. people who insist on lesser of two evils pragmatic voting. Right, and yeah. I understand why they are behind it because the greater of two evils in America is always unbelievably terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it also means, and I think we talked about this last episode. It also means that your game is then being dictated by your opponents, and you can't ever defeat them. Yeah, exactly. It, um, it, it makes it how like how many times is the for the purposes of this is the progressive side of American politics going to have to lie down and take a fucking war criminal or a rapist or a fucking absolute monster. Well, the plan is every time, um, isn't it? The plan is for absolutely every time. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that has held true for America since um, the revolution against Britain. Um, the lesser of two evil structure has effectively sidelined apart from occasional moments of um, that have been taken out of the government's hands, you know, um, such as the American civil war, right. Which remember wasn't actually Lincoln's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If it was left up to him, that would never have happened. And, um, things like civil rights and so on, but are only at the point where the government have essentially the choice removed from them. Does anything progressive ever yeah. happen in America? Well, yeah, it's, it's not campaigning stuff like Roosevelt and, and shit like that is, is after the campaign stuff. Usually uh, the only yes. time they've ever done. And usually uh, exceptional circumstances um, type situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tipped hands. The only time they've ever tried using it in a campaign was Obama, and they did it as kind of like uh, like a, a, a special move, you know, like a rare card that they played, but it didn't have any bearing on his administration at all. It was pure fucking advertising. Well, it was to defeat Hillary, wasn't it? That was essentially what it came down to. Um, was yeah. America, they, 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 they did a good calculation, which was that after eight years of the neocons, America was ready to chance their arm on an intelligent man of principle. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think that they probably understood that McCain was electorally a bit of a risk for what, like, I can't fucking understand it from outside of America, but uh, they seem to really love that stupid fucking uh, arsehole over there. Well, he doesn't always defend Dr. Kissinger, only only mostly. Or rather, mm. he didn't, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because McCain um, conducted himself with honor, sir, in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he was... And because I don't, I don't think he was particularly rude about his political enemies. He was an old-fashioned Tory, right? He, he yeah, behaved yeah, yeah. within the kind of um, class uh, notions of what dignified and honourable conduct was. Yeah, and he very, very occasionally stood up for his principles, and for, like that was such novelty to people that uh, it didn't really matter to them that the vast majority of the principles were dog shit, and that it was actually kind That's of true. scarier, kind of scarier that he was a man of principle, but still, for the majority of his political uh, <laughs> actions, devoted to evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like he wasn't doing it for cynical reasons. He just that fully fit into his moral framework. Uh, I honestly think a lot of Democrats had a soft spot for McCain because he oh, didn't did. hit them. I think there was a real like grat- pathetic gratitude um, from Democrats that McCain would treat them with civility and respect when he was having debates with them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unlike the rest of the Republican <laughs> Party who would just sort of wait till you'd finished speaking and then do a really rude impression of you or interrupt you while you were speaking with raspberries or something. Or <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, take yeah. pot shots at you with their weaponry. Well, it's... They, you're more right than, than you know. Like, the dream of a democratic politician in the US is just for things to be uncomplicated. They don't have yeah. any guiding moral principles they just want to be paid a lot to have this very important job and to not have to stress about anything and if that means you know market solutions and and selling people under the bus then so be it but just like please lay off them in the halls of congress it's stressful yeah they're they remind me temperamentally um of like those sort of you know, the, the First and Second World War kind of propaganda poster, like public school boys who were really good at rugby and boxing and who went yeah. to war thinking that it was going to be like a sort of um, exciting picnic. Yep. Um, but everybody w- w- was going to sort of, you know, it's going to be like Agincourt. We're going to have a nice honourable joust and uh, everyone's going to respect one another and uh, the best man will win. And at the end of the day, there won't be any hard feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only to discover that it was full of, you know, hidden explosives and poison gas attacks. And Yeah, they do the... They do the God bless you, Mr. Rosewater thing where they climb in through the window of a barn and bayonet a German teenager firefighter. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But this is the difference, right? Is that after a week at the front, recruits had become cynical and dispirited and realized they'd been lied to and they were in a fucking meat grinder horror show. The Democrats never learned that. They... stay in this weird like recruitment stage optimism the entire time yeah 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 yeah. 
It's recruitment it's day, and and pointing back and being like, "Remember Armistice Day when we played football? These guys are all right. This war could be <laughs> conducted in a more respectful and peaceful way." <laughs> if I mean, I have day, you know like more us. in common with them than I have with my fucking voters. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. So if we just turn around and shoot our voters, then everybody's on the same side. That's bipartisan. It. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, those are our we our brief touch topics, which took half an hour. Let's move on to like what we're <laughs> actually talking about. <laughs> the real McCoy. All right. So the cardinal uh, is free, Kieran. He's um, yeah. He's he's a very nice man, and we were wrong about him, and we're all very sorry. Uh, that we said mean things about Cardinal Pell, who isn't a criminal. Mm. Uh, No. (laughs) Which is an extremely distressing episode. He's been been proven by the High Court definitively, this is, I'm getting all of my information from Facebook, definitively declared hyper-innocent, which means that he's actually now allowed to go and commit the crimes of which he's accused uh, That's right. Job. He's been given an amnesty um, because of mm-hmm. his innocence. He's been given an amnesty to commit. That is correct. Uh, yeah. Andrew Bolt turns out to have been correct. <laughs> uh, and, and we... That's that's my least favorite part of the whole thing. It's not the worst uh, in terms of like the the moral uh, integrity of our nation and stuff, but that's my least favorite part is Andrew Bolt uh, getting the opportunity to fucking celebrate. Yeah, that is um, that is fair. I'm 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 I I obviously inherently and instinctively hate anything that makes Andrew happy, um, yeah. and this in particular is extremely extremely upsetting. But it's also not enormously surprising, from my understanding. Most of the um, criminal bar believed that he would be successful on the appeal. Um, I, uh, and people I were, this. I think, quite oh, surprised man. that the Victorian Supremes upheld the conviction. Uh, and there's a lot in it. Um, the High Court, I suppose, starting with the, the soft soap, um, the High Court did find A's evidence to be credible and reliable. Yes, like, they were very clear about the fact that they did not consider him to be a fraudulent witness. Um, yep. The problem was essentially that the prosecution never dismantled the reasonable doubt um, defense, which is, yes. of course, our default and most powerful defense um, measure. Uh, there mm-hmm. was specifically the Master of Ceremonies, um uh, Monsignor Portelli was yeah. never challenged on his evidence that he had been with the Cardinal when the offence was meant to have taken place and right. that the Cardinal was in in not in the Monsignor's company but also like with parishioners at the time. Um, sure. There was and there, there was like a large complex structure of other circumstantial evidence that was taken into account. 
So what Pell has been given is a finding that the chance of an innocent person having been convicted is too high for the conviction to be upheld. Yeah. They did not say that he was innocent. No, no, 100% not. Uh, and it's worth highlighting briefly uh, that there is an irony there as well that uh, the chance of an innocent person getting convicted is given this much attention and relative expediency in this case when, of course, we put innocent people away all the time. Uh, yeah, so the big... the. One of the largest injustices about this case is, and uh, I'm thankful to you for pointing that out, the degree to which being backed by the Catholic Church is what made a difference in Pell's outcome. Yeah. If he didn't have the money that he had, he would not be walking away um, from, he would not be leaving prison until his sentence was um, satisfied. Yeah, this is um, a really uh, good example of how uh, justice is still a commodity in Australia. Yeah, like yep. it, it, it's not just Australia; it's a liberal democratic issue. Um, justice is, uh, yeah, essentially something that you can be priced out of. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It's fucking expensive and. Yeah, it's the, it's a similar sort of situation to the uh, to the private public health insurance mix thing, where by splitting the risk pool, you uh, divert all of the the good resources to uh, the expensive system and end up with shitty resources left for the for the plebs. That's kind of the the situation, right? All of the yeah, fucking pretty well. and, and <laughs> shit. A creep at the top. Pretty well. Uh, is, yeah, yeah. I mean, no surprises there. The other big implication here, and like taking uh, for the sake of argument, taking the finding of the High Court as, as legally like fine, like sure, there's reasonable doubt that's in the law. You've got to adhere to it uh, if that's the sort of guiding principle. But the implication for... Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, not and 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 sort of like mainly sexual assault cases or rape cases uh, from the past, but also like the present. It, it where evidence is uh, chiefly sort of testimony. The implications aren't great uh, for for the way that we treat uh, a crime, which I would uh, perhaps argue was not taken to be a particularly serious thing when all of our legal system was kind of codified look i don't think it was considered to be in their hearts of hearts i don't think the men who had a hand in establishing the common law if we go back Mm. to like say the 17th century where the modern legal system was really beginning to find its feet in their heart of hearts, I don't think they've considered rape to be yeah, an yeah. issue in the slightest. Down. Um, it was, it, it it was something, and, and you know that we have to remember the hidebound and static society yeah. that produced these laws. Um, 
people who could be raped at the time, the view was, was that yeah. they were, you know, women. And that was a property issue. That was about yep. um, treatment of goods yeah. and chattels. <clears throat> and so it wasn't really for the court. It was something that, you know, would be resolved between the abuser and the owner. Or if the owner was the abuser, yeah. there was nothing yep. to resolve, right? Chillingly, <laughs> um, and it was really only in the case of it's chillingly yeah, yeah, put yeah, yeah. because right, it's right. chillingly true. You know, the, the the rape of women was only ever addressed if a father or husband decided he was going to make it his business to yeah. take it into the public yeah. sector, right, of the court. But he usually wouldn't because yeah. that would devalue the commodity. Um, I would, say that there's probably one other, uh, yeah, I would say uh, there's probably one uh, scenario where it was taken uh, seriously, and that was to create uh, racial or demographic panics <laughs> in the populace. Yeah, racial and demographic panics, yeah, sure, yeah. and war propaganda. Um, it was used as war propaganda, but it was always something that happened to, you know, the, the 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 concern was always your wives yeah, and yeah, your yeah, daughters, yeah, yeah, yeah. men of England, right? It was always oh, trained in, in property. It was never women of England. You might get raped, right? That was yeah. never the alarm that was sounded. It was always gentlemen yeah. look to your read this notice out to your wife. So that is the <laughs> yeah yeah a hundred percent. Uh, yes. Um, as far as children are concerned, of course, I mean, there wasn't any, there, there was no public awareness of child abuse really until yeah. what, the 1980s. Yeah. Well, I mean, child abuse used to be considered, you know, if you were an indigenous Australian, oh, sure. you were there for, like by default abusing yeah. your child by having it. Um, or if you were poor, that was considered <laughs> yeah. an act of child abuse. But like, other than that, other than you know, like economic and racial issues, the idea that there would be sexual abuse of children again, it wasn't a it wasn't a consideration yeah, yeah. when the law was written, um, and the attempts to catch up with it have been really clumsy. And I'm not saying that nobody is trying to address yeah. these issues. I know there are people who've made it their careers to try and fix and rebalance this system, right? But it's yeah, yeah. really fucking hard. And it's really hard because, as you say, in a lot of these cases, it's the only yeah. evidence is testimony. Um, and that's almost never enough. On on the yeah. reasonable doubt test, um, if it's essentially just boils down to word for word and that's the limit of it, then it's almost never enough yeah. to defeat. So the question here... Doubt. There have been proposals. Well, I mean, oh, sorry, like, yes. go, go. Uh, so I, yeah, 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 yeah. I under, I understand the the high court's decision, but to for the trial to go through a jury and for the jury to convict uh, incorrectly, basically, is what the high court is saying. The jury got it wrong. The the democratic in the in the jury yes. of your peers system they fucked up uh do we give i don't know what i'm talking about because i'm not a fucking legal scholar 
Okay. And that was that's that Robert Richter's first thing um, with the original conviction was was that he uh, considered it was a perverse decision by the jury. That he was yeah, Pell's yeah. original defense barrister. Uh, brief um, was that it was a case of a, a perverse jury. jury. Um, it's a very rare circumstance. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. An ironic term, isn't it? Given the circumstances. Um, I'm losing you again, Kieran. But I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of—I think I know the the gist of what what you're saying is. Yes, I'll anticipate you. It's almost uh, unheard of for an appellant court to overturn a jury's decision. Um, the jury is given such enormous weight traditionally in common law, uh, but it is something that obviously can happen because it yeah, has sure. happened. I mean, that's um, the point, right? I guess in this instance. Yeah, like, look, but it's it's only in circumstances where you have somebody who's got incredible resources that they're able to parlay into eliciting uh, judicial sympathy yeah, that it tends like to happen. Yeah, or, like, very clear it's exonerating very evidence that, or whatever, um, I guess, but I wouldn't really know. Or very clear exonerating evidence where you may have... Uh, and hypothetically, this is not a terrible precedent. Like we know that, for instance, there's been a long history of juries being influenced by like racial prejudice, by um, gender prejudice, by yeah. class prejudice that have had like the consequence of innocent people you know, dying yeah. in the days of the death penalty. I don't think it's a bad idea per se that the high court can overturn juries, but... There has been a trend in Australia for a while now to de-emphasise juries. And Victoria is the state which still places the highest premium on the role of the jury in um, yeah. in trials. And this may feed that, uh, that erosion. I'm not in love with juries. I don't think that they're infallible, obviously. But the idea of just having a judge like we had in the old days is um yeah especially like it's that's a very fucking rarefied social set as well that we're talking about uh and there's i don't know like some people's critiques of this this whole decision that is uh, like they carry well, some weight yeah. I, I know that the, that their high court is trying to proceed on on legal grounds rather than cultural grounds but there's some weight to the idea that this like crime against uh a vulnerable person can make its way up to the to the poshies who are all fucking mates with uh, the fucking Catholic leadership and yeah art collecting pedophiles yeah, deciding each other's something face, grotesque yeah. about it um, <laughs> yeah I'm sorry George but you were just too damn mm. public there's nothing mm. we can do old boy um it's very disturbing. Look, the reason we have juries is is because judges ended up having a very bad reputation for yeah. settling disputes, right? In um, in olden times, because judges were even more than they are now. Of course, judges used to be exclusively yeah. from the social elite uh, and would have no idea what they were doing when they sentenced or determined guilt on yeah. the common people of the country. Um, the reason juries were put together is still valid, I think. Um, I think even a judge who did emerge from humble origins 
you know it's it's i think it's borne out by the evidence people rapidly lose sympathy for those they were once mm. very closely entwined with once their material circumstances yeah certainly by the time you get to the fucking high court yeah oh yeah it's a rare uh, it's a rare socialist who survives <laughs> to the high court bench yeah <laughs> and an even uh, rarer <laughs> yeah the rarest based of all uh yeah yeah <laughs> um i mean <laughs> the master of duality i don't know what I, like what else there is to put on it obviously the legal shit is a little above my uh pay grade the procedural stuff uh but it does just feel like a fucking pretty grotesque i think the press it does feel like it which is why i wanted to try and frame it in a more sympathetic kind of light for the beleaguered uh, the real victims here being the high court justices. I wanted, I wanted to try and kind of just, just. I don't really care how people feel about the high court, but I, 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 I want people to have a better understanding of why this, that, that, why this happened, right? Because it is apparently an injustice. Um, I, I believe that Pell should be in prison. Um, however. The facts of the... I mean, I believe yeah. he certainly should be convicted, right? He should be known to be guilty of, of what he has done. Um, but I think the fault lies more with the prosecution than it does with the High Court. The High Court did not realistically have much choice but to acquit him, given the information that was given to them. Um, and I think as far as public expectations of his conviction being upheld are concerned, I think the press have a substantial amount to answer to for not being straight with the public about the circumstances yeah. of the conviction and the likelihood of acquittal. Um, and I, I, however, I understand more people yeah. are coming forward now. This look, the real victory sure. was the jury decision. Right, regardless of what happens now, a cannon has been blasted into the idea of clerical infallibility and yeah. clerical invulnerability. Uh, and if victims have been emboldened, then that is tremendously yeah. powerful um, and tremendously valuable. And um, the, the 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 prosecution of the cardinal, I don't think I, he, he will yeah, be in court yeah. for the rest of his life. If you know. He's not going to get out of this uh, as easily as people think. Uh, it isn't good enough. Mm. I appreciate that. But he's by no means off scot-free. He's going to be fighting for the rest of his life uh, to stay out of prison and to keep a, a clean record. And if the prosecution managed to bring charges to bear against him for his role as an administrator of mm. a child abuse syndicate, um, which I think is... A, the most likely thing uh, that he could conceivably be convicted of, it seems to me. Um, and I think even more valuable than um, the single conviction of him as a rapist uh, would be the acknowledgement that he was the administrator. Well, of the yeah, child certainly that's the, that would be uh, a tremendous public good and tremendous yeah. act of well, justice. I mean, and if, if enough witness testimony can be, concentrated on that then then that may be a very successful prosecution. Uh, so i would say to to victims of abuse 
uh, don't be disheartened by this acquittal, right? It, it, it was not an invalidation of your experiences by the court. A was still held to be a credible mm. and reliable witness. Um, his experience wasn't simply um, thrown aside in, in reaching this decision. Um, it's probably a very little value to say <laughs> that it is a step forward. Yeah. Um, but it is still a step. It is. Sure. It is still a step forward, and it's 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 simply unfortunate that the prosecution weren't able to defeat the uh, the testimony of. Monsignor it may interest you to to know that via like a friend of a friend of a friend, basically somebody that I uh, uh, know, I guess knew once upon a time. I I haven't spoken to them in in probably like a decade at this point but and i was never close to them but uh they're they're on they were on uh pell's defense team <laughs> fucking uh mountebank and uh they called this <laughs> a long time ago essentially this is what i heard through uh a friend of a friend or whatever uh that they had called that that the prosecution wasn't strong enough to to beat reasonable doubt and I was, of course, just hoping against hope that it was the sort of like uh, reckoning of somebody who thinks that they have a shot of winning. Uh, time has obviously vindicated that position. Yes, unfortunately, I hope the listener enjoyed. <clears throat> unfortunately, it has, but it's not the I end hope of that the, the battle listener enjoyed the way. like extreme length that I just went to to personally distance myself from <laughs> this person on uh, on on Pell's uh, legal team. You did an admirable uh, yeah. job, Karen. Uh, yeah. you, you duck and weave with the best of them. Well, look, uh, I will say that <laughs> since since I learnt that, that they've been doing that, I've not been fucking eager to hang out with them. Uh, not that I ever did. I'm defend, defending I know, an interesting, I know, but it's, um, it, it's it, an interesting it, moral it, it plays into a lot of shit in this case, believe me. Uh, I'll explain to you off mic. I, yeah, I don't want to... I'm sure it does. I'm sure it's anybody, a... But, uh, you know, uh, it fucking it makes some sense. No, but we can have a nice yep. cathartic yeah, yeah, yeah. slag off. Put this person in the fucking ground uh, conversationally. Uh, look, we gotta <laughs> we gotta move on to the next thing. Uh, and wouldn't be the first person I talked into an early grave. Uh, we now have. <laughs> Wait, I gotta take a piss first. Uh, I'll be back in a minute. Oh my god! Sorry, listener. All right. Hello, young man. Hello. Hello. Are you adequately pissed? Yes. I've done a, a very refreshing urination there. I just figured that the the listener didn't want to like hear me squirm and be extremely curt and distracted for the for the remaining fifteen or twenty minutes. It might interrupt our usual elegant and suave presentation style. It's true. We're nothing if <clears throat> competence uh, orators. And uh, it is for that, uh, <laughs> certainly not for our completely useless opinions that this show is most highly prized. Uh, uh, what was our next point of interest, Mr. Stevenson? Uh, you want to talk about this labor report? Labor the labor writing. report. Yes, I do, darling. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, so there was this big, uh, Keir Starmer took over as the leader of the, the Labour Party 
and there was this big report what 800 pages or some shit uh released yeah so it's been underway for a couple of years sure i think um two years they've been writing this researching and writing it yep i mean that makes sense it's a fucking big it's a monster document is the whatsapp leak part of the report or is that a separate uh situation the whatsapp leak is part of the report yeah. uh it was it was evidence towards the main um hypothesis yeah okay uh essentially the the uh, allegation finding or whatever of the report is that the labor right uh the right-wing faction of the labor party in the uk actively sought to undermine uh the jeremy corbyn leadership uh his election chances and well, yeah, his chances of winning an election, uh, yes, through through various well, kind of means. Well, they uh, he, he's an enormous uh, tragedy for you. We have a an outspoken group of um, fascist sympathising Jewish people who call themselves, you know, the a Jewish voice for Labour and the, you know council of british jury and so on we have a lot of these organizations in australia as well they consist of about six members normally <laughs> yeah, um yeah. which will be you know one or two uh, families represented therein yeah. and because the press are made up almost entirely of uninterested incurious and incompetent bunglers they are represented as being broad spokespeople for an entire community it's of an, jewish people it's an incredible uh, despite, move when you think about it like uh, it requires a very specific sort of set of circumstances uh being a, a yeah like like of, the yeah. the, the, <laughs> the council of australian jewry is literally like a guy yeah, it's sure. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, he's a guy who was so Dan Andrews of... set that council up, huh? Huh? Yeah, that's right. He yeah. was kicked out of the Majid Center for being anti-Semitic. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's a guy who's been like rejected by the mainstream Jewish community, but he's still a spokesperson for the Jewish community. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking appalling the way the press does this. You might call it like a case of actual anti-Semitism um, if you were uh, <laughs> if you were so you know, cynical. Hmm. spokesperson <laughs> right so the, these these guys have uh, in britain the british equivalents of these people have hmm. essentially sacrificed the notion of anti-semitism to the right wing uh of the labor party and used it to bury the left wing of the labor party because the left wing of the labor party are anti-zionist or have a tendency to be anti-zionist yeah yeah and um, extremist uh, Jewish political uh, figures are perfectly happy for the concept of anti-Semitism to be watered down and to be um, undermined if it means uh, they can pull in, you know, a little bit more support for the uh, settlement of the West Bank and the uh, strangling of Gaza, basically. Yeah. The eventual eradication That's... of non-Jewish uh, people in Palestine, essentially. Yeah, or, or there's eradication to yeah. Um, yeah. Th- th- their eradication as political entities. Yes, yeah, um, That's certainly more on the point. Yeah, 
not necessarily. So it's more of an ethnic cleanse. It's uh, despite members of uh, the Israeli parliament uh, calling for genocide against Palestinians. Yeah, uh, it is more of an ethnic cleanse than a than a attempt to murder everybody. But that's you know. Uh, if that's a comfort to you, then <laughs> it's consider important. yourself a goblin, I suppose. <laughs> important uh. <laughs> to make. Yeah. Oh, man. Re-education always goes so well, um, mm. <laughs> historically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, these, these, these people, Corbyn was under attack immediately um, for being yeah. sympathetic to anti-Semites and for... Um, frustrating the efforts of the Labour Party. I think this was the big thing that was thrown against him, was that Jeremy Corbyn was hindering attempts to expel anti-Semites from the Labour Party. This seems to have been the accusation that got the most traction in the press and that mm. made the biggest impression on the public. Um, I know people who I otherwise consider intelligent who said that they couldn't support Jeremy Corbyn because of the anti-Semitism thing. Yeah. Right. And and if I he was anti-Semitic, I would I would appreciate that. Um, I'm yeah, very yeah. happy for people to say that I'm not going to support him because he's an anti-Semite, but only if he were actually an anti-Semite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's an important color me pedantic. That's an important sticking point. I think. Yeah, yeah, a very crucial uh, sort of final distinction. It's really the 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 sort of drive shaft of the whole thing. I'm reaching for some sort of manufacturing metaphor where something gets packed and shipped, and something else gets put aside as a as a factory second. I didn't quite get there, but yeah, it's an important distinction. It's okay. We don't have to couch everything in manufacturing metaphors. I I think I that's one that's of the things more than anything else that. Karl Marx has to answer for is this <laughs> tendency for everything to be expressed in manufacturing metaphors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some people but, absolutely, um, absolutely fucking went frothing with this shit, like Rachel Riley, who just became like an evangelist. Rachel Riley became, um, uh, look, Rachel Riley was perfectly happy for austerity to continue and mm. for poor people to die mm. if it meant that Jeremy Corbyn wasn't the prime minister. Yeah. I don't think that's a position that um, you can recover from terribly quickly. I was pretty appalled by it, oh, especially yeah. because she doesn't. Someone like Rachel Riley has not got the excuse of being like, oh, well, I'm clearly unintelligent and easily influenced. Like She's incredibly bright yeah, and yeah. You know, has the resources to be as well or as ill-informed as she wants to be. So you mm. can only assume it was um, a, ch a choice. Yeah, you have. I yeah, um, you have to make. Which is very, very disappointing. I mean, she's a maths person, uh, which not to be correct. Yeah, that's true. For that does, it does, formal yeah. logic people haven't had a great run over the last decade, have they? With yeah, they tend to be sort of like <laughs> with political uh, sensitivity. Yeah, hyper specialized morons is the way that I kind of like uh, view a lot of them. But yeah, that's fair. So it's like maybe she just Neil deGrasse herself, you know, like stepped outside of the... She could have done. Look, she's given herself the appearance of being quite urbane um, through her television work. So it may just be that we expected too much of her. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is ironic, though, that, um, that the right wing of the Labour Party, which manipulated the issue of anti-Semitism and essentially used the Jewish population of Britain for political purposes, 
then uh, has, is, is, is the faction that is being congratulated by these uh, farcical uh, spokesperson organizations for standing up to anti-Semitism at the cost of the Labour left, which was the party that was actually trying to prevent racism. Is, uh, it's, uh, well, I mean, where else but politics do you find this sort of situation, Kieran? Yeah, yeah, extremely fucking... Uh, extremely upsetting shit, actually. Like, I have seen I, a lot of it, uh, but but some of the stuff around, like, the, the, the crowing, uh, the gleeful crowing, and this is only sort of uh no it, it's related the gleeful crowing around was it the manchester attacks uh was it manchester that got attacked uh bombed or whatever and people and members the bombing of the stadium uh, I, I, the ariana grande concert yeah 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 manchester, and, and, yeah and people were like oh uh the, these fucking leaked messages where people were like oh yeah hopefully this hurts his fucking chances in the general it's like, yeah. Well, look, it's it's, it's difficult to stress um, how quickly. You know, if you look at it on paper, right? Mm. The Labour Party in Britain was even the right wing of the Labour Party was still union dominated until it seems um, Michael Foot lost the election against John Major. Mm. And Tony Blair and Gordon Brown seemed to, out of absolutely nowhere, yeah, um, with the help of the Macbeth witches, just <laughs> conjure up this weird group of uh, parliamentarians and party apparatchiks yeah. who had nothing to do with working class politics How did in they any meaningful way. They are were under the skin you know, so short. quickly. Like they came, you're right. They came out of, they were conjured out of the mist and now they're just the rot that's within the wood. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? That'd be something that I might, um, when I'm not as busy with study, I might inquire into, um, for the, for the current uh, time though, I'm completely baffled. Yeah. It's like one of those pranks Um, that you see on the internet where somebody wraps up somebody's entire room and all of their positions in tinfoil or something. And it's just like, when did you have the time for this? What's the purpose? How the fuck did and you pull this off? They se- <laughs> they seem to view themselves as like, you know, the quote unquote good Nazis who, you know, <laughs> German officers yeah. who uh, fed uh, intelligence to the allies during the Second World War because they were like, oh, no, this this organization that I'm a part of has become evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd rather see myself and my comrades lose the, lose the war than win it under these, under this leadership. Um, except exactly instead the, of, you know, it's exactly being soldiers they fighting for the choose. Nazis. They are yeah. members of what is meant to be a workers interest party <laughs> that, that was in danger of acting in workers interests. Yeah. Uh, it's an extremely fucking way. But they definitely seem to view themselves as being in that great tradition of the, of the, um, yes, uh, souls who sabotage. The f- yeah, yeah. The fucking Project Valkyrie people or whatever. Can you think of a more central. <laughs> a lot of them would have been very effective. Um, to be like, as actually, kind I'm of, good uh, you know, pet. Well, you, you know how Mussolini kind of 
staked out the initial grounds of fascism by replacing socialist labor leaders with um, fascist labor leaders. Yeah. Um, the, I, these um, these little ghouls would have been perfect uh, Mussolinian infiltrators, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You know, turning turning the Italian steel workers union uh, into the Italian steel workers <laughs> union. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, you're right. The the crowing, the 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 subordinating of absolutely everything to just this idea that we can't let a compassionate person become the prime minister of Britain um, <laughs> was yeah. fucking astonishing and gruesome. A hundred percent. And to see like the the fucking Twitterati, the uh, anti-Corbyn Labor Twitterati, like mobilize and be like, this report is just another. Uh, Another example of the this, the conspiracy-minded inability to lose uh, gracefully Corbynista mindset, and it's like it's leaked documents for fuck's sake. Some of the shit, it's evidence. It's not. Yeah, it's no. They're like, oh well, the the Corbynites are using this to cover their tracks. Like yeah. what they they uh, they they wrote all of this uh, private correspondence between you chaps, did they? This is yeah. their doing. <laughs> it's yeah. their fault that you uh, revealed your conspiracy to the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When are people gonna start learning, Kieran, to to stop writing down evidence of conspiracy? Like, it's not necessary anymore. Hopefully now that you never. can phone people up and speak to them, you no longer need to leave paper trails about conspiratorial intent. It's true, you don't, but these people are dumb as pig shit, so, like, what a big surprise. They are very stupid. There's a, there's a fascinating thing with this um, liberal uh, anti-Semitism, though, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm mindful of the people who refer to Bernie Sanders as white uh, for the purposes of discussing, like, yep. minority status in elections. Uh-huh. Um, and the people who... The, are, are the same people who call like Jeremy Corbyn, anti-Semitic. Yeah. Um, are, are people who are perfectly happy to uh, just kind of annihilate the existence of a Holocaust survivor's son being in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. U- US presidential... The running. most fucking <laughs> Jewish dude I've ever seen. Uh, because it, it plays oh, into yeah. this, uh, you know, like fundamentally, incredibly racist idea that uh, racism is literally just a matter of skin color and that there aren't other considerations. Well, they had uh, a, they actually had a crack at calling Bernie anti-Semitic after Corbyn lost. Like there was about a week of, of sort of trying it out against Bernie and it clearly just didn't wash because it's like, are you fucking doing me? No, but I have to be honest. I mean, good on them for trying, because if you can get away with it... <laughs> yeah, you know, what a coup that would have been. <laughs> it's well worth chancing your arm, because the public won't remember if it doesn't work. Uh, and yeah, if, the, if it yeah. does work, then, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've done it. Problem solved, apparently. Talk about ethnic cleansing. So we, we now have anti-Semites determining what anti-Semitism is. Yeah. Uh, it's astonishingly... It's... it's, 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 it's uh, Orwell would um, would be uh, beside himself yeah. with a, a, a mixture of revulsion and admiration, as I am, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think 
it's been a tremendous victory, of course, as well for Zionists, because yeah. one of the one of the points that the Labour Party under Corbyn, you remember there was that big fight about um, Ooh, the Labour Party don't have the right definition of anti-Semitism. They've got their own anti-Semitic version of anti-Semitism that yeah. they say you have, was that uh, you should be allowed to criticise the settler movement, essentially. Was yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that was the big anti-Semitic thing that the Labour Party were clinging on to, like the reactionary yeah. bastards that they are supposed to have been under Corbyn. Um, was this idea that uh, if you think it's unacceptable for Palestinians to be made landless and forced to live lives of insecurity and horror, then, um, you know, fuck you, you yeah. Nazi. That a, that a racial and religious minority's identity shouldn't necessarily be paired with anyone's state's policies. Uh, inconsistent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea Wild, that but, it's... Yeah. Um, that it's somehow unacceptable to say, I don't think we should have ethno states. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> strange how you've been quiet on every other ethno state, but when the Jews want an ethno state, all of a sudden, <laughs> there you are. It's true. I, I, I'm a rampant apologist for North Korea's um, racial purity mm. uh, notion of uh, independence. Yeah. Uh, I, but, 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 but in fairness, you know, the North Koreans are right because they are on the left. <laughs> oh, and course, I, yeah. And I know they're on the left because they say they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I don't I'm... need to examine like systems or conduct or yeah. ideology. Yeah. They use the word socialist, then I believe them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I believe everyone in politics at face value. Yeah. Except for the Labour Party. Except for the Labour Party. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, it's, uh, it's so, so yeah. uh, it's fucking exhausting. I don't know. To, to what extent am I like anti-Chinese if I criticize the treatment of the Uyghur people? Um, that yeah. seems to be fine. Yeah, but that's because we hate the Chinese. Uh, the irony here, of course, is that it's like it's okay to criticize the Chinese state and, and their heavy-handed policies, because of existing <laughs> like xenophobia against the people, but yeah, uh, it is a funny one, isn't it? Because like racism against Chinese yeah. people is obviously very deeply ingrained in Australia. Yeah, um, we had specific laws against America. Also had specific laws against Chinese people um, migrating. Hmm. I don't know if anywhere in Europe did, but I don't know if the nineteenth century like saw huge amounts of Chinese migration to Europe. I'm not honestly, I'm pretty ignorant there, but I do know that Australia and America both had specific anti-Chinese migration laws. Oh yeah. Um, if and you were yeah, going to be really does... on the nose and grotesque, you might call them an ancestral enemy. So yeah, it's actually like, I mean, which would be news to them, of course. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. As far as they were concerned, they were just here working for us uh, under really appalling conditions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I and being forced to take opium. Um, (laughs) Do you you remember how we invaded them to make them take opium when they tried to stop taking opium? That was a good moment in free trade. (laughs) The history of trade is littered with just positive stories and and great. It is. It's all good. So, but in in that case, until we are nearly successful in exterminating the Chinese, (laughs) it will be fine to criticize China. But yeah. 
after we successfully uh, like murder millions of Chinese people, then it's over for the Uyghur people. They won't have any more support. No, because we'll feel guilty about how anti-Chinese we are. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's like it's a it's like it's a sort of blood for blood sacrifice thing, isn't it? It's like, oh well, sorry, we killed six million of you. Um, have the Palestinians? Yeah, I mean, it'll help. It'll help when wash our sins away in their blood. Yeah, it'll help as well when, like, uh, in in the in the Chinese analogy, uh, you know, if our religious uh, leadership happens to have a prophecy that depends on the Chinese people occupying the, the land of the Uyghur people, then, you know, that might also influence. Things. Oh, fuck. Do you know what? I somehow completely forgot about the evangelical fetishization yeah, 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 yeah. of Jewish people. That's the That's... weirdest synergy. It's fucked and- up. And it leads you straight back into that old amusing bit where you're sort of like, all right, so what do we mean by Israel? Because, Mm. like, prophecy-wise, what they've got, like, do they have to specifically have all the Palestinian bits? (laughs) It seems odd to me that the, the, the evangelicals are like, so the boundaries that the British decided were where israel palestine goes (laughs) yeah 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 just happened to exactly overlap the specific bits that god decided also was the holy land well in directing the hand of the chosen british people god wouldn't fuck it up would he (laughs) no of course not god never fucked anything up Mm. that's why history has been such a smooth and unruffled process uh, and why he keeps (laughs) writing books that are not subject to multiple interpretations Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to confess, I'm not uh, deeply familiar with the specifics of the the the, the prophecy, uh, the evangelical prophecy about the uh, Israelites returning to their homeland. But uh, you know, uh, it's apocryphal. It's not like canon, oh, of course, obviously, because nothing that is um, gospel truth is ever considered to be gospel truth by most Christians. They're only interested in the apocrypha, yeah, uh, which is a fascinating bit of psychology in and of itself own isn't it yeah um yeah i essentially until the children of israel there are the this is the problem though right is there are two diametrically opposed prophecies one was used to get oliver cromwell to lift the um well what would you call it jews weren't allowed in england right until from Edward the, I think, third until Oliver Cromwell. So for about 300 years. Mm. And the embargo was lifted by a Dutch um, merchant, Dutch, a Jewish Dutch merchant, convincing Oliver Cromwell that because of the prophecy that said that um, Judgment Day could not eventuate until the children of Israel were like scattered to the four corners of the earth. Mm. Um so Oliver Cromwell was like, oh, shit, I better not delay Judgment Day. Yes, of course, you can come into England again. <laughs> um, yes, uh, true story. Uh, but there's also the prophecy that says that until we've all gone back to Israel, then there won't be Judgment Day. So all I can say is good luck, evangelicals, figuring out. <laughs> yeah, getting every single – that's a logistical nightmare. How are you supposed to get every Jew in the world to go to Israel? And how is creating deep divisions in the Jewish community by uh, 
<laughs> it's pretty cool how like un- profits historically have been kind of serenely untroubled by logistical concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not their department. Their department is the seeing, not the doing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm the blue. Sky- I'm just a blue sky thinker. <laughs> you guys are the experts. You make it happen. You figure out yeah. a way. I like to go barefoot in the office, you know. I think it just frees up the mind if you're in con- if you're in direct contact with the earth, or in this case, the seventh floor of a cement high rise. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking, what wow. about what about the end of days? What about that? Huh? You've hit the nail on the head. I mean, like Iron Age prophets and contemporary tech bros and um, and uh, boss girls do like speak exactly the same fucked up <laughs> vocabulary don't they <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> now this is gonna blow your mind i'm gonna disrupt uh the religious theological world with this one. <laughs> I, i've had a dream <laughs> sit down this will take a while there's seven seals <laughs> yeah yeah. For each seal, a rose of many hues. <laughs> Just drawing inscrutable symbols <laughs> on one of those like big pads on an easel and turning turning over the pages. <laughs> We've got a bad here, rare, and this this line on the graph indicates locusts locust winged scorpions. And this circle here is the whore of Babylon. Anyway, the upshot the- is if you are tending a vegetable patch, you cannot cover your head with a square of cloth to ward off the sun. But if you are tending ornamental flowers, you cannot cover your head with a straw boater I like unless it has a burgundy band. <laughs> I really like the idea that that's like an early version of uh, of like program app debugging where just like bit by bit, line by janky line, you kind of get it to a a semi-working state like the current facebook client (laughs) that's what all well i guess so when the catholic church was responsible for administrating like the complete diversity of european and mediterranean christian cultures Mm. and they had to sort of come up with a christianity that was coherent and unchangeable across all those different factors yeah what they came up with does seem a little bit like, um, yeah, a, a, an overwrought code trying desperately to be like deglitched and, oh, and, uh, and unified. It's rather beautiful. I mean, I know, I know, it's like uh, uh, Jewish or beavers fucking, are uh, not red meat. Beavers are fish, so you can eat them yeah, on yeah. a Friday. Yeah. What's, where do you think the like the no milk and seafood thing came from? Except some extremely tedious argument between two motherfuckers who wouldn't eat any ground. It's like, all right, all right, fine, fuck. Uh, you can have milk or you can have seafood, but not together. Is everybody happy with that? No. What about oh, pork? Oh, I feel very strongly about pork. That must always be eaten for everything. There are two. <laughs> Fuck those other two guys. Eat the pork. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on the on the report thing? We probably should we probably My final thought was that yeah, we strayed a bit. Um 
You definitely said something racist in there that'll be used to derail a future political or legal career, but that's all right. Or to make our future political or legal career. Yeah, yeah. Just to, we, just, we, we may just have to change sides. That's all. It's always an option. <laughs> you can, you know. uh, it's always an option. They like you more if you used to disagree with them. Yeah. Because it validates their, their wrongness. Mm-hmm. Like, Look, someone's come over to the wrongness because it has <laughs> logical appeal. Mm. Yeah, essentially what we've got is um, we have a supremely ironic situation that has been revealed where by... Because being anti-racist means you have to criticize the state of Israel or stay quiet and compromise your principles. Yeah. What has happened is a group of anti-racist politicians have been portrayed as racist by uh, the right-wing faction of their party. Uh, because there is a very large chunk of the public who are not able to separate Israel, the Jewish state, from the broader concept of people being Jewish Mm. Um, and are not able to conflate the existence of Palestinian people with the existence of Palestinian, with human rights and Mm. people having human rights. Um, And so a coup has been won by racists in the name of anti-racism against anti-racists who were successfully framed for being racist because uh, the state of Israel is an extremely complicated topic for a lot of people who think that you have to be pro-Israel to be anti-racist and that it is racist to be pro-Palestinian, even though they are also a race. It's like a Costello bit, dude. It sucks so much. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what? It's it it's it's again like I, I hate to, but I feel unable to avoid it. So many of these conversations bring me back to like one of the episodes where Sir Humphrey and um Sir Dick from the Foreign Office are explaining government policy to Bernard mm. and like why the minister is wrong. And so much of it comes into these bizarre figure eight patterns of ideology and reality and uh yeah the collisions between them yeah for the record jews on first is i'm looking at the anti-semitic the punchline um mural in uh oh yeah remember i still can't see how it's not just businessmen uh really i'm zooming in on it i mean i took i took it as uh there's 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 one figure on the left who you could argue appears to be Jewish, but you could also argue that he doesn't appear to be Jewish. Uh, the other five of them just look straight Caucasian to me. Mm. And... Oh, yeah, I see. Conflate, yeah, do you see what I mean? Like, the the guy on the left with the grey beard and the bald head yeah. could be Jewish, but he could also <laughs> not. It's really hard to say. I mean, I don't know. I just kind of took that one at face value because Corbin apologized and stuff. Uh, but I mean, maybe it's worth going back and and. Uh... I mean, I'm not saying that it is definitely not an anti-Semitic mural, but I can 100% see how he would have not seen that uh, if it is an anti-Semitic mural, because it just looks like it's an anti-business class mural. Yeah, I will say that it's tacky uh, that he 
specifically endorsed a mural with the Illuminati pyramid on it. But uh, yeah, for sure, it's a shit mural. It's, um, it's not a <laughs> Yeah, I go. It's like it, it, it. The fact that it got painted over. Cor- Corbin made it seem like a very unique and important work of art had been covered up, which yeah. is definitely not true. Um, no. If you've seen any socialist kind of uh, illustration or cartooning from the 1880s to the 19, what, 50s, that's mm. basically just that. But yeah, with the addition of a really shitty Illuminati um pyramid in the background yeah kind because of, for some for some people out, right. the real world is not unjust enough they have to put in magical injustice on top of it I, yeah i like the way that the pyramid is kind of like cheekily glancing up to the top left. it looks like it's yeah. winking doesn't it yeah or something yeah for for a single eye it's very much askew i think the issue is potentially just that this artist draws people with sort of big noses which is like uh, you know, obviously, that's something that anti-Semitic art uses, but it's not exclusive to anti-Semitic art. It's and not. These guys don't look like exclusively like Jewish caricatures. It's not fucking Diego Rivera, though. That's for sure. It's not. It's not good. There's a there's a worker with a sign that says the New World Order is the enemy of humanity. So, like, I don't have much interest in. I have no interest in defending the mural per se. Fuck it. Um, yeah, but. It was a big bow to be like, ah, oh, this is proof that he's uh, anti-Semitic. That's- Interesting. <laughs> that was cut out of the crop that I was looking at. That does uh, change things a little bit, that, that person with the placard. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the idea that this reflects some deep uh, uh, moral failing of Corbyn's psychology is bizarre. Absolutely, it is. Um so yeah, there's there's more to be examined here. I, I want to learn more about the whys and wherefores of Jewish people who have kind of supported Jewish people who have this incredible selectivity uh, with anti-Semitism concerns. Mm. Um, I'm pretty comfortable saying I think a lot of it's politically motivated. Yeah, um, but there are some interesting cats like um, Luciana Berger. Um, she was a an MP who left over anti-Semitic abuse issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to find out more from them. But generally speaking, the report seems to be pretty clear that the enemies of the Jewish uh, community were the people who are now being celebrated as the saviors of the Jewish community, which makes me feel like queasy as a member of the Jewish community. I'm not Mm. super happy about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, shut up and get in line, I guess, if you don't want to be (laughs) racist against yourself. Yeah. Well, (laughs) shit. Uh, (laughs) We managed to keep it pretty light uh, for, for most of that, but that was a, it's a, it is a real fucking a real problem. It's a real problem. So the, the, essentially, the entire British um, political establishment and media establishment have colluded to manufacture charges of anti-Semitism against a leader who was anti-racist. Yeah. Uh, um, the figures for like anti-Semitism when Jeremy Corbyn was leader was like 
less than 1% of the party sorry the accusations accusation per member ratio mm. like leftists with less than 1% of the party membership had been accused of racism and half of those accusations were linked to a single member of the party uh, who was receiving them not making them I'm yeah not suggesting there was like a kind of hypochondriac uh no, 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 no. there was a single the subject highly racist uh member of the party who yeah. garnered half of those complaints um mm-hmm. so this idea that there was a huge surge of anti-semitism under corbyn just mathematically is well yeah this was, they did that statistical analysis like uh, a few years in and it was like it had fallen it was uh not like gigantically high, still higher than it should have been, but like had fallen fairly dramatically since Corbyn had come into leadership, possibly mostly as a, as an effort to kind of uh, fight these accusations. Uh, and then it was significantly less than the Tory party. This, this report found that like the numbers of, oh, of course it is. and so people yeah. being like, we can't, we can't elect Jeremy Corbyn. He's an anti-Semite that then go on to elect the fucking Tories. Yeah. Who have um, conspired to destroy the lives of black people with the Windrush disaster. The Tories who have mm-hmm. conspired to destroy the lives of Islamic and um, Indian Britons with their ridiculous fucking race baiting on mm-hmm. migrants. And it's, and who, for the record, are also just like some some members of uh, the Tory Party are also virulently anti-Semitic. The oh, for a, fuck yeah! Huge the, part the, of the Brexit the, movement was uh, motivated. The, by the Norman descended gentry of fucking England are insanely anti-Semitic. They yeah, hate yeah. us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on all, they absolutely up, hate us. I um the the idea that you would vote for the Tories instead of Labour, because you're concerned about, like, Labour Party racism or Labour Party anti-Semitism, is you are literally saying, I'm only concerned about racism if it's directed against Jewish people. I don't give a flying fuck about any other minority in the country. Mm. Um, I'm perfectly happy for black people and Indian and Pakistani and Chinese and Irish and... Bulgarian and Romanian and every single person who's not from the magic England nation to be placed in danger if it means that the, you know, Jews are safe, which I don't think is fair. I think if your concerns are about prejudice against minorities, you should be extending that to all of them. (laughs) Yeah. The poem uh, doesn't go like first they came for the socialists and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the Polish people and I didn't speak up because I wasn't Polish. And then they came for the Jews and we were safe because we got rid of Corbyn. That's not how the <laughs> fucking poem goes. Yeah, it's. Um, I say like if there was anything about Jeremy Corbyn that suggested that he was anti-Semitic as opposed to just being pro-Palestinian, yeah. then. But I'd, I would still have to have a serious think about comparing him to Boris Johnson, who um, 
talks about you know piccaninnies with watermelon smiles and yeah islamic women looking like telephone boxes he's absolutely an old school posh fucking like he's a massive racist like a last generation racist like classic waver but these people like refute england's got a bizarre thing with racism as well though like the the denial about racism in britain's um whole cut cultural legacy is tremendous you know if you you read some of the things that winston churchill had to say about indian and arabian people you would be flabbergasted (laughs) yeah well it's good that we don't Um, have any of those problems here in australia well so far they have not been so far in australia they've been weaponized differently yeah Oh, I just, I strictly meant the the history of racism and the, the weird denial of it. <clears throat> Definitely, we don't have the, uh, quite have the, the anti-Semitic dimension quite post well, here. I mean, I just, I don't know. A lot of us don't seem to give that much of a fuck about Zionism. White's, white, white supremacy functioned very differently in Australia, Kieran, because we didn't have the English class system, you see. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. So we had a sense of mateship and egalitarianism that made white supremacy fundamentally very different um, in Australia than it was in the home counties. It was definitely appreciated by the, the indigenous people of Australia that at, at, at least we didn't have a class system within our own ranks that was very suffocating. They thought, well, yeah. At least these guys have a sense of egalitarianism. Yeah, they should. That ele- ele- elevates their white supremacy hmm. above the original English cultures. When they steal us from our homelands and uh, force us into indentured servitude and then sell us to another person, they shake hands. They don't bow. It's very refreshing. They call each other cobber. It's quite nice. It's yeah. refreshing. Which they stole from, from us, but, uh, you know. Yeah, because we're of the egalitarian mateship, Kieran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. aids Australian white supremacy and makes it better than English white supremacy. Your language, my language. Yeah. Uh, English white supremacy is really, like, gross and, you know, vulgar. Yeah. Doesn't have have larrikinism as a a component. Yeah, yeah. The the great insulator. Well, I mean, I would love to go down this road with you, Darcy, and play in this, this space, but we've run... Quite. We will have to return to the sand pit later, won't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you for listening to us, listener. Yeah. Uh, hope quarantine's going well. Watch Galaxy Quest. It's better than you remember it being. Uh, that's that's all I have to say for now. I want to give a shout out and RIP to my man, John Prine, uh, who is the first casualty of the coronavirus that legitimately fucking knocked me off my feet a little bit. Uh, very sad. Uh. Very sad, absolute classic uh, fucking uh, American folk country uh, kind of guy. How are we Absolutely. spelling P-R-I-M-E? P-R-I-N-E. P-R-I-N-E. John Prine. I will listen to some John Prine. He's, he's very fucking good. Uh, I was going to go see him with Stuart. Uh, uh, we probably we would have gone about a week ago, but first he cancelled ah. due to health Stuart, problems, is, and then uh, I was about to say, is Stuart okay? Is he making it through the Stuart? If you're listening to this, if you're okay, could you please write to weaknessforbleakness at gmail dot com and let me know? <laughs> He's fine. I talked to him the other day, uh, but yeah, upset about John Prine. It's very yeah, sad. No, it's it's very. I've taken a note. I will listen to some John Prine. Oh, definitely. Definitely do. I might.
put something at the end of this episode, Prynish. Uh which is yeah, yeah, if you haven't listened to John Prine, go and do it. Listener, it's phenomenally good music. Uh yeah. That's it, I guess. Weakness for bleakness at gmail.com. You can email us too, listener, and it's not just for Stuart. It's not just for Stuart. So far only Jeeves has emailed us. Yeah. That I'm aware of. And uh you know, we do occasionally remember to get this show out to you guys, so some correspondence would be actually I think we've been pretty lucky with the note. Don't write to us. <laughs> It'll give me <laughs> you don't express your gratitude by giving us more things to do. Yeah. Yeah. We are it's we're nice. not even really interested in what each other have to say. This is very much a self affirming exercise for me and Kieran. We don't need input. Yeah. I mean, don't want to know if you it. think we're wrong. We're not, we don't have the intellectual or emotional fortitude to be gainsaid or it's, confronted. It's entirely possible that our entire listenership, apart from uh, Jeeves and Mads, uh, is just pieces of software downloaded. I know. Indexing. I know of. I know of three other human listeners. Oh, really? Um, I'm convinced that they use us as a source of. Um, kind of comedic relief. I don't. I don't think we're taken seriously. Oh fucking yeah, good. <laughs> that's that's important to me. Uh, not to be taken seriously. I'd be well, very worried if I was being. Mm. Let's fucking put this shit to bed, Darcy. Uh, lovely to talk to you. It's nice to talk to you, Kieran. It'd be nice to catch up soon. I have been working on the um, Dungeons and Dragons campaign Ooh. between. I'm I'm mostly working on university because it's well, frankly yeah. more important. But I'm I'm chipping away at the campaign. Beautiful, and I can reveal a teaser for listeners and future players alike. It does involve the infamous Underdark and the ah. Dark Elves. Wow. Bum, bum, bum. Because I read that they're everyone's favorite places in Dungeons and Dragons. Well, yeah, yeah. In the sense, yeah. All right, yeah. Cool. I'm looking forward to but it. I'm not it's saying. I'm not saying when it in, they feature. It could be many, many missions down the track. It could be where it starts in a dark elf dungeon. Who knows? I guess we'll find out. <clears throat> I'm if I do my if I do my job properly, you should find out, Kieran. Yes, yes. you at least should find <laughs> out eventually. <laughs> yeah. I'm pumped. I'm I'm eager. I'm actually. I was like, there was the question of like which one of us was going to run it, and a little bit of me was like, man, I would quite like to. But then you were like, you made the offer, and I was like, you know what? Yes. So much easier not having to fucking run the fucking thing. So now I just have the enthusiasm of looking forward to playing. It's great. It is good, and I have the enthusiasm of responsibility that elevates me above uh, being a mere player into being a universe unto myself. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, you know, swings and roundabouts, don't brag. Uh, Actually, the responsibility is cripplingly frightening, to be honest. It'll be fine. It's good. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize what being God would entail. It's a series of encounters, uh, which uh, just, you know, we roll dice. The system exists. And then everything in between is just fucking balderdash. 
says St. Michael to Yahweh. <laughs> try, try, can't, it's just a series of encounters. We take it one at a time. Come on. It's okay. You can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I will get you some Galvis gone. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> we got to fucking finish this, Darcy. Uh, all right. Fine. Bye. Whatever. Thanks for listening, listener. Uh, all right. Bye. child my family would travel down to western kentucky where my parents were born and there's a backwards old town that's often remembered so many times that my memories are warm and daddy won't you take me back to muhlenberg county down by the green river where paradise lay well i'm sorry my son but you're too late in asking Mr. Peabody's coal train has hauled it away Well sometimes we travel right down the Green River To the abandoned old prison down by Adrie Hill Where the air smelled like snakes and we'd shoot with our pistols But empty pop bottles was all we would kill Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County Down by the Green River where paradise lay Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking Mr. Peabody's coal trains hauled it away When the coal company came with the world's largest shovel And they tortured the timber and stripped all the land well, they dug for their coal till the land was forsaken And they wrote it all down as the progress of man and Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County Down by the Green River where paradise lay Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking Mr. Peabody's coal train has hauled it away I let my ashes float down the green river Let my soul roll on up to the Rochester Dam I'll be halfway to heaven with paradise waiting Just five miles away from wherever I am and Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County Down by the green river where paradise Sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's coal train is holding.